Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This episode comes from our member event with Gina Prince-Bythewood, director of the smash hit feature, The Woman King. Gina was joined by fellow director Kevin MacDonald, and they discuss her process as a director, working with an incredible cast, and the craft that went into making the film. We hope you enjoy. That's thank a nice you. response. Yes, thank you for coming out on a what day? When Tuesday? <laughs> oh God, Thursday! Thank you. Sunday. I just flew in last night. <laughs> um, so this is—it's a real pleasure for me to be here with you because I, I adored this film, and one of the reasons I adored it was because I. I think it's the only film I've ever seen, and maybe I'm just, I haven't seen enough movies, but it's the only film I've ever seen which is set in a pre-20th century Africa, certainly on this scale, and certainly with an entirely, or almost entirely black cast. How did, you know, what was the thing that made you want to do that, and how difficult was it? Um, foremost, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, I, from the beginning of my career, uh, I love historical epics. I loved Braveheart and Gladiator and Last of Mohicans. Always wanted to do a film like that. Never got to see myself reflected in a film like that. And so that was the inspiration. So when this script came, it felt like everything up in my career had led me to this moment to tell the story. Um, I loved the historical aspect. I loved that I had never heard of these women. I loved that and also it upset me too. Why didn't I ever learn about these women, this kingdom? Um, so to know that I could put this history erased up on screen was exciting. Viola Davis was attached. That was really exciting. Um, and uh, just to be able to tell the story in this way with this incredible group of women, the sisterhood, uh, the humanity of these women, um, to be able to put that on screen, all of it just made it the film I wanted to do. So as I understand it, the, the, the historical basis of this is in the kingdom of Dahomey. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, what, wh- how close to the reality is this? I mean, that's a really vague question, but I'm, I, I was genuinely curious when I, when I was seeing it, sort of, it. You know, I looked up afterwards about the women and they existed, but how much, how, mu- how, how much else of it existed? Oh, yeah, it was an incredible deep dive into the research and the fascinating thing in doing a film like this and certainly um, about this kingdom was realizing who was telling the history and that there's so much misinformation um, out there about this kingdom, these women. So um, it was really finding the right text to follow. We ended up reaching out to ancestors of these women, people from Benin, um, as our advisors to help us tell the story. And and, um, so... Like, we wanted to put the truth up there. It is a historical epic. We set it at 1823 specifically. That was a time that um, they finally broke free from the oil um, with that big battle. It was a time where they were grappling with which way they were going to go. Were they going to continue with the trade or break free and, and focus on palm oil? So it was set there specifically so we could tell those, those stories. Yeah, I was amazed to see online that there's actually some pictures of some old ladies' photographs mm-hmm. who were, as young women, warriors. Yeah. 
and so 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 the last ones what died in the 1920s or something or I I had heard that the last um one died in like 1960 and the what? yeah the amazing thing about it is once um the kingdom had you know was overtaken um ultimately in the 60s that um they were trying to marry off some of these women and they kept killing their husbands <laughs> so this little That's a good sequel. Um, so, so the other thing that's obviously immediately impressive about the, about the movie is this, this, the scale of it and the scale of the of, of of the build of the city. Can you tell me a bit about the design of that? Is that is that uh, again based on photographs, drawings, or, or how how did you come up with the design of the city and and the details of the production of the production design? Because it feels like a very specifically realized culture. Yeah, absolutely. This takes place pre-photographs, um, but there's lots of sketches, and also the ruins of the kingdom still exist, and Benin has started to rebuild, um, so that was really helpful to be able to look at the architecture of it, the layout of it, also just the bas-reliefs that were on the different walls, um, to be able to mirror those, um, the the layout of the whole kingdom in relation to the city that we that we put together so it's all based on these sketches that we were able to have our production designer Keen McKenzie incredible and his it was his research that we really followed and um one of the big helps as well was um at UCLA there's a famous museum called the Fowler Museum and they have artifacts actually from that time period so we were able to see the weapons and mirror the weapons exactly things in the ritual garden able to mirror that the drawings the style of drawings all of that we were able to mirror because we had the real stuff to look at and why is it called the woman king rather than the queen i don't know. What, what's the significance of the title that's funny we get that question um it literally was what it was called they didn't have a queen back then and it was um Dahomey was the only kingdom in Africa at that time that shared power on the council between men and women and the king it was the same thing he would choose someone to share the power with and so she was called the woman king um and uh, where did you where did you decide to shoot it we shot this um in most of it in Cape Town that's where we built the palace um the first two weeks we shot in a place called KwaZulu-Natal and that's where we shot all the jungle got all the scope and it was actually beautifully where Tuso Mbedu who plays Nawi the lead that's actually where she's from so she got this part and then got to hear that she's going back to where she was born to shoot this film you didn't think of shooting it up in in Benin um that was the first hope and then i wanted to do Ghana which was right next to it but um didn't have the crew base or the infrastructure to be able to do that so we did shoot two days in Ghana to get some of the big landscapes and the palm forest as well okay and um so so tell me about the casting the casting process you said Vale Davis was already attached and everybody I mean it's an amazing cast of women and men but <laughs> um but particularly the women uh how did how did they all become attached and 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 can you tell me a little bit about about why you chose who you chose yeah i needed to create a group of warriors and so i knew it wasn't going to be just about talent but do i believe them as warriors and um so absolutely it starts with craft first 
great actors, and especially you're coming on board a film with Viola. And Viola is greatness, and um, and she inspires that in you. So I needed people who had that same aspiration but also wouldn't come on scared uh, to, to work opposite her. I also needed to know you had the work ethic because I knew going in I wanted people to do their own fighting and stunts. I think it's the... Um, I think the best action is where you can see performance, where it's story-driven and character-driven emotion, and you get that by performance, by having the actors do it. So um, in reading the script, I knew immediately two people like literally popped up, and that was, I knew I wanted Lashana Lynch as a Zogi. I had seen commercials for 007, it hadn't come out yet, and uh, I just thought, like I believed her. And uh, then I saw a speech that she gave um, where she was awarded um, at the Essence Black Women in Hollywood and the way that she was talking about her work, what she wanted to put into the world, who she wanted to be as an actor, just inspired me to want to work with her. And then we met and it was just an immediate click. Like, she was a Zogi. Um, and then John Boyega, I knew I wanted him as our king. And it was because of a video that he had done um, that went viral during the protest. And it just inspired me. He thought that video was going to ruin his career, um, but I, it made me want to work with him. And there was a line you that... Just, just remind us what that video was. Oh, it was, it was him imploring um, black men to protect black women. And, um, yeah, I just... And for sure, with this film, um, I just wanted that energy. And um, there's a line that I had written to describe him, and it was literally based on a line that a missionary had said about the real king, which said, he walks as if the land is honored by its burden. And I was like, that's John. Um, so he came aboard. Uh, Sheila Tim, who's so amazing. Uh, I had seen her in a movie called Bruised. And um, after I saw it, it's, I love the movie, but the first thing I said was, who was that? Um, she was just amazing. The studio wanted a bigger star for that role. Um, so I asked Halle, Halle Berry directed it, can I please show, it hadn't been out yet, so can I please show some scenes to the studio to prove that she is someone special and um, Halle allowed that to happen. And as soon as I saw that, they knew that that was, uh, that she was um, a Menza. She is, she is amazing, isn't she? She makes every frame just better. Um, and the best runner you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the other thing in asking them to do their own fighting and stunts. Like, how do you double Sheila, Tim? Um, and then I needed, I needed Nawi. I needed a young woman who could go toe-to-toe with Viola Davis. Who could I find who could do that? And Tuso was literally an audition. She, she had just finished Underground, but it hadn't come out. Never seen her work. And her audition, I, I knew literally five seconds that... It was her. I just cared about her. And she was doing things in her audition that no other actor had done. And uh, I just, she's just a generational talent. Um, so she's I knew. It's amazing because there's a kind of like a there's, a, there's this quietness and softness to her, but incredible strength and toughness too. It's really unusual to see somehow you see instantly in her that both those qualities are there. Yeah. And that she could play the both. She had. Um, I knew I wanted her acting-wise. She was very honest, which sometimes actors aren't. When I asked her, do you have any athletic ability? Um, but she was truthful and said she'd never done sports in her life. Um, 
so I did a stunt assessment with her and our fight coordinator, Danny Hernandez. We took her to a gym and it was supposed to be just an hour workout so I could see, did she have, please, just enough that I could build on. Um, but that hour turned into two because she just wanted to keep learning more and more and get better and better. And that mentality said a lot about who she was. And, um, and then lastly, she had to meet Viola and um, she like, she wasn't scared. She just came in, she was prepared Viola fell in love with her, and at that point, we knew we had our, our Nawi. And, and did you put them all through a kind of boot camp? Because it's pretty intense stuff they've got to do. And presumably, Viola, I'm sure, had done a lot of fight scenes before, but the others have maybe not done so many fight scenes? Yeah, only Lashana had any stunt okay, experience. Yeah. So once I knew I was going to cast each one of these actors, I looked them all in the face, looked them in the eye, and said, are you willing to do everything it takes to embody these characters. And they all said yes, and I believe them. You know, and I said, look, you're going to go online and you're going to watch these cool videos that actors cut to music and it looks fun and it looks sexy and looks cool, and it's not. This is going to be the most grueling thing you've ever done in your life. And it, it was. They will all tell you the hardest thing they've done. Like Tuso was cast in April, and she started training in May and trained all the way through the end of the shoot in March. And um, Viola started in June. And then Lashana, Sheila, they were shooting. So they started in August. And this was six days a week. June, June the previous year to starting the shoot in March. Yeah. No, we ended the shoot in March. So shoot they, in March, they continued to, sh to train. Right. So it was, um, it was six days a week. And they did two a days. They did weight training in the morning for an hour and a half. When to build their bodies to make them athletic. So it was never about losing weight or anything. It was just, you're playing a warrior. You have to look like a warrior, um, regardless of your size. Um, but also to protect them, um, to build their bodies up, to be able to handle the next phase of the day, which was three and a half to four hours of martial arts training, weapons training, running, um, fight choreography, boxing. Because for stunts and fights, there's two tells. If you watch an action film... If they can't run or if they can't throw a punch, like it totally takes you out of it. So they had to, I needed them to train that way as well. And they did this and they had to be on a special diet. Um, but what it did, I knew it was going to help them build character, build camaraderie, build the sisterhood because it was so hard. Um, Tuso likes to joke and say it was trauma bonding. Um, but I like to say it was just hard work. Um, but it was, it's absolutely the thing that built that sisterhood that I hope you see up on screen because they had to really pull each other, um, through it and they were competitive in the best way and pushed each other. And, uh, again, it just really solidified their sisterhood. You, you were saying to me earlier that, that, that you, you shot the film in 64 days, did you say? 63. 63. Sorry for exaggerating. <laughs> yeah. Um, that seems remarkable to me considering, you know, what's going on, the scale of it and the, 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 the action. I mean, was that always what you were given? Is that, that was the max or was it meant to be more than that? And, you know, the budget got cut or what, what happened? Yeah. Um, you can tell me some of the truth. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it started out at 69 days, which was still going to be tight. But when you're trying to get your budget down, the first thing they do is they take your days and they kept taking them, taking them, till it got to the point I, I said, I've never gone over budget, never gone over days. And I said, I'm now at the point where I can't guarantee that I can do that. Um, but also, I'm not going to not make the movie. 
you know, I have to figure it out. But it was it was really, really hard. Um, every single day felt like we were just dying at the end of it. And um, literally for the first three weeks, just Polly Morgan and I, our DP, we just be in the van at the end of the day, just collapsed and wondering, did I get it? Because you're trying to shoot action and emotion and three or four scenes a day and chasing the lights and everything was just hard. Um, and I just felt like I was surviving, not thriving. And then we got shut down for Omicron and which was devastating for the moment, but it actually gave me a breath and I was able to refocus and say, look, you don't want to go through this dream project and look back with any regret that you didn't enjoy it. And so I was able, it was still really hard, but I, just switch my thinking to just focus on the joy and the laughter and the fun mm. and the beauty of this incredible cast and the work that they're doing. It probably, in a way, did you a favor, Omicron, did it? Because you gave you, not only made you reassess it, but actually gives you a rest and you can think about things in a way that when you're in the middle of a shoot that's that frantic, it's very, it's, it's very hard just to th have time to think about things, isn't it? You plan no. the first few weeks and then after that... No, to have a break. I've never had a break in the middle of a shoot. Yeah. Now I kind of think it's a good thing. Uh, and and I was also amazed that you only finished the shoot of this in March. Yeah. I mean, uh, how, and here we are in December, and it's already been around for two or three months. When did you, you premiered it? At, at, September. At, at Toronto. Yeah, we finished, we finished, finished one week before we premiered at Toronto. It was... Why insane. the insane schedule? Because that is a crazy schedule for such a big movie, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, we <laughs> the day before <laughs> the day before we were supposed to announce our our release date of November eleventh, a little movie called Black Panther um, uh, announced before we did, and so obviously we didn't want to open on the same day, so uh, we had to decide: do we want to go before, or after, and. I think we made the right decision to come before, but that meant losing two months of post. Um, and it was, but again, you, like you figure it out, but it was really hard. It was, it was months of seven days a week. We did not get a break. Mm -hmm. And did, 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 did much change in, in the edit? Did, did, did you have to lose a lot of things? Um, did you rearrange things? <laughs> Is it, did the story shift around? It's really interesting. I mean, the the editor's assembly, which was everything, was over three hours. Um, so the fact that this is 2.14, including credits, is a miracle to me. Um, but, you know, as you know, sometimes less is more, and it was really honing and honing and honing um, the film and the story. And... Uh, but I didn't want to lose any of the character in the quiet moments because those infused the, the set pieces. Like, you're not going to care about the action if you don't care about the characters. So, you know, there were fights in terms of certain things that a studio wants to cut. They want to get to the action. I want to understand the characters first. So that, that was kind of the biggest fight for me to protect those moments. But, you know, my director's cut is only eight minutes longer. So I think that's good if it was dramatically longer than something went wrong. And you didn't you didn't end up doing any reshoots or picking up anything much? No. I guess you couldn't have had time to do it, even if you, even if you wanted to. Um, and has, has anything surprised you about the response to the film? About the kind of the way people are talking about it and, and the kind of questions you get asked? Um, 
it's not surprise more so. It just, the response has been really beautiful. And to go, the fact that this film took seven years to get made, how many knows Viola and Julius, her husband and Kathy Shulman, the other producer, got like for seven years to be on this side of it. And now um, it just, yeah, it just feels really good, really. So th- this was really personal, personal project for Viola and, 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 and her husband. What do you think was it that she so saw in this? Why, why was she so desperate to make it? It's, it's really amazing. She actually just told the story the other day and um, is that she, she was told the story from uh, actress named Maria Bello who traveled to Benin and learned about these women. And so Maria came back at a time that she was giving Viola an award. And so instead of doing the, the normal speech before giving her the award, she actually pitched the story. And, um, oh, wow. and then at the end of it said, wouldn't you guys like to see Viola Davis as his general? And everyone applauded. <laughs> um, but Viola said in her head, she was thinking, yeah, that's nice, but Hollywood will never make it. Um, and that made her sad when she reflects back on that. Um, but there was a little bit of hope in her and just enough to say, well, let's at least develop and, and write a script and try and get it set up. And then that became that, that seven-year journey of just trying to get the yes. But certainly the success of Black Panther um, absolutely showed Hollywood, at least that there was an audience that there, you know, because there wasn't a template before to say this, you know, this could succeed. But that, that was a really big help. That makes sense. I was wondering why Maria Bello has a, a, a story credit or something. That's yes. that's why because yeah. of the, she pitched it in those five minutes. That was her story to. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, uh, so should we open it up to the audience? I'm sure people got lots of questions. Um, why don't you go first? I don't know, is there a microphone? Yes, there's a microphone there. Hi. Um, first of all, congratulations and thank you for being here. Um, I really enjoyed the film and I think personally because I kind of resonate with um, the architecture and the scenery of where you've set the film. Um, quite curious as if you could speak about what made you choose to go with English as the language um, because you're telling a period piece and I think it definitely would have, it would have been amazing, not that it wasn't, but it would have been amazing to learn a little bit more about um, the language that um, this culture comes from. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us about what made you do that. Yeah, it was a discussion very early on, um, but the reality is, is it was a big studio film and they were afraid of having subtitles for an entire film. So we decided to go with accent in English, but I still wanted the language of Fong Bay, which is what they spoke. Um, I still wanted it to be at least some part of the film. So I felt I could put that in the songs and the chanting as an organic way to at least have that, that sense. Um, so that's, that's really the reason. Hey, Gina. Congratulations. Great film. Um, Just a very quick question um, with regards to 
one of your characters and why you chose. We all know, so there's a scene with John and Jimmy, mm-hmm. and uh, Jimmy being a Oba from the Oyo Empire, Yoruba, and they're both Yoruba descent. So they could have done that in Yoruba, that would have been cool. But the question is, why did you choose to go with Jimmy, who's a relatively unknown? Mm-hmm. And then tell us the story of casting Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, we didn't cast Oba till about two weeks before. Um, it was tough to find an actor. Again, we needed someone to go toe-to-toe with Viola Davis, someone we could believe would be intimidating to Viola Davis. Um, that could act, that could do their own fighting. Um, and so we had cast a pretty wide net. Um, and ultimately, Jimmy sent in a tape. And I hadn't known about his work prior, but then once we were talking to him, started to realize you know, his, his reach in Nigeria. And he was just, as soon as I saw him, I felt something. I felt his power. And then he did the reading, and he was really good. And then he did um, another a stunt assessment, and that just sent it. And we knew that that he had that thing that was going to feel good opposite Viola. And um, yeah, so that's how we cast him. What what is his background? In while we're waiting for the microphone, in 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 Nigerian film, um, he he's one of the biggest stars out there in terms of. Yeah, filmmaking. Thank you. Um, you spoke a bit about like the actors who were the the warriors. Um, would you say that it was difficult to like manufacture that sisterhood, or would you say that like all the actors clicked quite quickly and they had good chemistry together already? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this it's an extraordinary group of actors and um they clicked immediately what you see is absolutely real it started with uh Tuso and Viola they started training together before anybody and I wanted that specifically so they could start to build a chemistry um I didn't know when I cast LaShawn and Sheila that they actually had a friendship before and it just grew stronger through this process and everybody we brought in Masali Baduzu plays Fumbi who's South African, she actually didn't know Tuso, but they clicked immediately as well. So it was during pre-production, during production, I would put, you know, I kept different people staying with each other to build those those natural friendships. During rehearsal, um, it was about building those friendships. Um, Tuso and, and uh, Jordan, who played Malik, you know, building that relationship, having them go on lunch dates and things like that to build. So that's the fun part, certainly, of doing it, but... All of them, and again, once they all were together in South Africa training together, it was really, it was like just this collective of them against the world, and it really built this warrior friendship that they all had. Is, there, is, it, is it different directing women in an action film, do you think, than men? Is, it, is, there, is there a way in which women deal with action differently? Well, I'll answer it... <laughs> You know, our fight coordinator, Danny Hernandez, who is incredible, and he's done, you know, John Wick and Gray Man and all these big films. And he'll say it, and he said it publicly, that these women were tougher than any of the men that he's trained. And um, <laughs> and it really was, in stunts, when you're doing you're going to get hurt at some point. The key is that you don't get injured. Uh, but these women 
through everything, never stopped. And um, I think one of the funniest things was, again, they did the majority, some of them did all their own fighting and stunts, and then Violin Tuso did like 90%. But there was one thing, uh, there's a character, Odie, played by Adrian Warren, and in the oil battle, you see she jumps over a fire. And Adrian had trained to do it, and but on that day we were rushing, and you don't want to do stunts while you're rushing. We had to get it done, and the uh, second un- unit was going to shoot that piece, and, and then I get this text from Adrian saying, can you please call me? Um, and I'm in the middle of shooting, but I call her, and she's like, they won't let me jump over the fire. And uh, I said, well, let me talk to Danny, and he explains why it's too dangerous and they're rushing. Um, and then I get another call from Adrian. Again, I really want to jump through the fire. I know I can do it better than the stunt person. Can I please jump through the fire? Like, that's who these women were every, every that's day. That's amazing. That's amazing. Hi, I really enjoyed the film. Um, and I thought it was really stylish. Um, it actually made me feel nostalgic. There was loads of really cool stuff, like um, the shadow shot. Um, there was a lot of violence that was suggested with sound, and it had that amazing Terence Blanchard, like brassy score, which kind of reminded me of something like, well, obviously something like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but also something like um, Michael Curtiz's films. Like I guess the shadow reminded me of like Robin Hood or something, and it was really unified. It didn't feel like was stopping for a second unit uh, shot or whatever. It, it it just seemed to be really confident and really great piece of action filmmaking. I just wanted to ask what your stylistic influences were for the film, cinematic or otherwise. Thank you. Um, yeah, it certainly started with the classics that I was mentioning with Braveheart and Gladiator. We, we did want it to have that big epic feel to it. Um, but also it was kind of bringing in some of the aesthetics that I've come to fall in love with. Um, I really do love handheld a lot and the intimately epic feel that that can give you. And uh, so I was really focusing on that, but I did want more camera movement and more scope within this. And so um, it was really trying to marry those two things together. And again, that intimately epic is was really my pitch to the studio of what I wanted it to feel like, that I did want it, this story to have the bigness and scope that it deserved yet the relationships are really the key to it, that intimacy. So being able to marry that to hopefully have the quiet character moments feel seismic as a big set pieces and make sure that everything felt in tandem and working together. I'm so pleased that you think that Braveheart is a classic. That's, <laughs> as a Scot, that's I'm, I'm going to give you a bit, it has to be very quick. <laughs> Hello. Oh, uh, nice movie. Um, so with um, the scene near the end where um, Lashana like dies, I cried. <laughs> um, I thought the grieving scene was like really intimate and raw, and I've never seen something like it. And I just wanted to know how you go about di- how you went about directing that scene, and also directing the other emotional scenes because I felt like I don't know. I felt it in my heart. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, Foremost, it starts with great actors and actors who have done such a deep dive into characters that they they become real to them. Um, Their backstories that I had them write are like movies in themselves. I wish I could write it. Um, It's also getting to know the actors on a personal level to understand what they're going to be drawing from when you have scenes like that. 
um, as a director, it's your job to create a space where people, you know, they feel safe enough to give you everything. And so certainly for that scene, it was really talking to the crew and understanding the depths of what Tusa was going to go through um, to make sure that people understood the truth of the situation, um, to be respectful of that for the crew to be on it. Because I knew Tusa, that was three takes. And as a director, it is so hard to ask an actor to go again after they've literally ripped their heart out, you know, for for our consumption. Um, but it was keeping, like, just keeping her in it. Um, but what she talks about is at that point, she had such a connection to Lashana, a.k.a. Zogi, understanding what that loss meant to her character and then drawing from her real life to be able to do that. It was stunning to watch and to let her take that full journey that she needed to take. And the beauty of it was with these actors, you have to trust each other as well in a moment like that, that you're both going to give each other. And I remember when I said cut on take threes in the film, like Tuso couldn't stop crying because it was still all there. And if you just watch in the dailies, you know, Lashana, you just see her hand just gently rubbing. And uh, it was just that type of connection that you need and you want to create before you even get on set. So when you have scenes like that, when you have the scene in the garden between Viola and Tuso, and they're both just pulling their guts out, it's because they're great actors, because they trust each other, um, and because I've created a space where they can, they can really just give us everything. Thank you. Great. Thank you, guys. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.